what's up? Welcome into the Athletic Fantasy Football Podcast for Tuesday, December 21st. Michael Beller here with you. Typically on Tuesdays, we are, we're talking about how we've turned the page on the previous week and are looking ahead to the next week. That is not the case. On this particular Tuesday, still have two games of Week 15 left to play as we are sitting here recording this episode of the pod. But we're going to put those games mostly to the side and look ahead to Week 16, the Fantasy Football Semifinals. Of course, every Tuesday on the Athletic Fantasy Football Podcast, we tap into our vast network of beat writers to get on-the-ground knowledge about their teams and how we can apply that to our fantasy teams. And so we start off today's episode with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and Greg Allman, our Bucks beat writer here at The Athletic. Greg, thanks again for spending some time with us on the Fantasy Football Pod. Hey, thanks for having me. Hope you're doing well. Yeah, I am doing well. Hope you are doing well as well. And I guess I hope you're doing a little bit better than with the way the Buccaneers are doing coming out <laughs> of that 9 nothing loss to the Saints. And, you know, a loss is a loss, whatever. The Saints team has had their number, except for, of course, in the playoffs over these last two seasons. But uh, and uh, Mike uh, Chris Godwin hurt for the season in that game. Mike Evans hurt, uh, could potentially play this week. Leonard Fournette hurt in that game as well. Let's start out at the wide receiver position. Godwin done for the year with the torn ACL. Antonio Brown making his way back for the Buccaneers. Is this a one-for-one sort of switch for this team? Yeah, absolutely. I don't know that Chris Godwin uh, for Antonio Brown is a quite even start just because Antonio Brown comes in at the right time, but they were using Chris Godwin like crazy. I mean, he had 15 catches in one week, uh, you know, had 10 the next, uh, was right there ready to kind of break the team record for receptions, and then he hurts his knee and he's out for the year. Um, It's definitely a good time to have Antonio Brown because there's not a lot else there for them at receiver right now. Um, The drop-off from A.B. to Tyler Johnson or Scotty Miller or even Jalen Darden is significant. So Antonio Brown becomes a, a receiver one, at least until Mike Evans is back healthy again. Uh, expect a lot of Rob Gronkowski too. But yeah, Antonio Brown steps right in and will probably take as much as he can handle given that he hasn't played or practiced in, in 10 weeks. Yeah, we know the early word on Mike Evans on the hamstring injury was not super serious, maybe able to play this week. You and I are sitting here on Tuesday morning. Obviously, we don't have any super concrete information looking way ahead to next week's games. But as things are shaping up, what sort of Mike Evans update can you give us? Yeah, I mean, Mike has dealt with hamstrings before. Um, this is one where he had kind of was unsure of it, went back out there on the field, made a big third down catch, but clearly had had done more than he wanted to. So they kind of shelved him the rest of the game. So I, I think he could go. Um, Carolina's got a good pass defense is probably what they do best. So it's not a, a great week for him. Um, if you had somebody else comparable to Mike that you knew was healthy, I'd almost go in that direction just because they're going to, especially in week 16, they're going to err on the side of preserving him for the playoffs if there's any question at all. Yeah, that certainly makes sense. Uh, and obviously, we're ta- we've been talking about these five NFC teams, very top-heavy conference, all still fighting for that lone buy on the NFC side of the playoffs. And if the Rams are able to take care of business against the Seahawks tonight, got four of those teams sitting at 10-4, and four, one at 11-3. and three. The Buccaneers, of course, among those 10-4 and four teams. Uh, Leonard Fournette also injured in the loss to the Saints. We know he's going to miss a little bit of time here. Does Ronald Jones just get the full Fournette role? Does he just step right in, or is there some sort of split that we really haven't seen from the Bucks this year with Fournette uh, taking that backfield and owning it. Yeah, it, it's kind of unfamiliar territory, but I, I think Ronald Jones gets a huge chunk of things on Sunday. Um, the, the backup would be Gio Bernard. He's on injured reserve. The next in line, uh, the, the next guy that kind of stepped in a little bit is Keyshawn Vaughn, and he did not play well. Had a drop, had a no-yard gain on a third and one. 
So I, I think it's very much Rojo. I'm still curious to see what they do in, in third down and obvious passing situations because they haven't always felt good about Ronald there. But uh, for everything else, I, I think Ronald Jones is, is the kind of the bell cow for the week, at least until Fournette gets back. Yeah, it's crazy in this uh, this fantasy football season. We're going to be not only leaning on Ronald Jones in Week 16, but uh, anyone who's got him is going to feel great about Seriously, him. Frankly, if you, if you kept yeah, if you kept Ronald Jones on your roster, I think he had 93 yards in the previous six games yeah. before Sunday. Um, that's some serious patience there. So congratulations to you. You've got a nice. Uh, spot start in week 16 as fun as that is yeah you've got a, a really nice spot start and uh or, or if you didn't even if you didn't keep him uh, we don't often see huge waiver wire prizes in week 16 right. but that's exactly what ronald jones will be getting to get basically the leonard fournette role for the for the buccaneers against the panthers and speaking of that it is the carolina panthers who the buccaneers are taking on on the road here in week 16 what are your early expectations for that matchup greg you know, we don't know just how quite decimated by injuries the Bucks are. Uh, they're like a 13.5 point road favorite, mm-hmm. which seems ludicrous since they <laughs> didn't score a point on Sunday. Um, but yeah, this is a game they should win, minus seven or minus eight in takeaway margin. So this should be a game where they get three or four picks. They should be able to get to the quarterback. Um, Carolina's defense, at least passing-wise, is solid. They're like the number two pass defense in the NFL, but it kind of feels a little bit like Buffalo was uh, two weeks ago. That was the number one pass defense, and they went out and, and scored pretty easily against that defense. So um, being down, potentially their top two receivers hurt them. And again, we saw them score zero points on Sunday, but I think they bounce back. I think they have time to plan something based around the the personnel they have healthy and, and just cross their fingers that those guys stay healthy now. Yeah, that's exactly where we're at here. Mike Evans' manager is certainly going to be crossing their fingers, and for that matter, Tom Brady' manager is going to be crossing their fingers as well. Definitely wanting Mike Evans out there without Chris Godwin available and, frankly, without Leonard Fournette available as well, a guy who's been very important to that offense all season long. That is Greg Allman, Tampa Bay Bucks beat writer here at The Athletic. You can follow him on Twitter at Greg Allman, A-U-M-A-N. Greg, thanks again for being with us on the Fantasy Football Pod. Thanks again. Happy holidays to you. All right, we move along on this episode of the Athletic Fantasy Football Podcast over to the Detroit Lions and Nick Baumgartner. Nick, thanks so much for joining us today on the Fantasy Football Pod. Absolutely glad to be here. I mean, first time, right? I mean, yeah. we don't talk Lions on fantasy football much, right? That's that's rare. We don't. So glad to be here. Yeah, yeah, we, we don't <laughs> at all. It's uh, So before today... I, w- I want to say the only teams that we haven't had on this Tuesday Beat Writer edition of this show were you guys and the Texans. Okay. Yeah. Even had well, Connor Hughes, even had Connor Hughes come talk Jets with us a little bit. So, uh, uh, so it's good. We thought we thought it'd be Swift, but hey, yeah. you know, it's not. It is. Here we go. It is not because Amon Ross St. Brown mania has just swept the country, swept the fantasy football world. The amount of targets he's been getting over these last three weeks are. Uh, you can't ignore him. You absolutely cannot ignore them. And now he's looking like a guy who should be pretty much locked into fantasy lineups as we get into the fantasy football semifinals and championship next week. I just with your from your eyes, from your vantage point, what have you seen that has made him into this go to player in the Lions offense? Yeah, he's a PPR like dream. That's yeah. what we talked about in the summer, like when he got there in the summer. I mean, he is their best route runner. I mean, and he, you know, really coming out of college, he was one of the best technical route runners. I think we watched of all the receivers. He's a pro route runner in that I think he's advanced with it. He knows how to get open and he can make tough catches in traffic. And if you look at the Lions, like they don't really have a lot. So it's like they're looking for every inch they can find and he finds little inches. So 
those targets, I was surprised it took this long to go to get this high. But like, I think he broke their rookie record uh, for catches or targets or both or whatever it was mm-hmm. last week. And I would expect this to just continue because especially in their current situation, they don't have Hawkinson. They don't have Swift. Um, you know, Josh Reynolds is going to get some looks down the field, maybe more if they get more confident with that. But St. Brown's even running out of the backfield. He, I mean, he's going to run routes out of the back. I mean, he had carries. Yeah. <laughs> he might score a touchdown on the ground. I don't know. But they love him. I know that. Yeah, it's remarkable what he's been doing over these last three weeks. We're looking at, what, 35 targets, 26 catches, a couple of touchdowns in that time, 86, 73, and 90 yards, a couple of carries. The touches are there, and that's why it's just undeniable. And uh, as you said, you see no reason to expect this to slow down at all over the Lions' last couple of games? Not at all. No, I I wouldn't think so. And I would would actually probably pencil him as someone, you know, I'm a fantasy guy myself, as someone for next year because I Mm -hmm. think in their offense, the way that they – do things. He is their safety valve, especially without TJ Hawkinson. If he's not in there, then St. Brown is going to be their guy that they're looking to get matchups for with no, with no Hawkinson and no Swift, like, you know, fantasy, you know, nuts know how much the Lions were using Swift before he got hurt. Like I think St. Brown gets some of those reps as well as they go forward. It's crazy. We were running down on yesterday's episode, the the receivers who we would play St. Brown over going into (laughs) this week 16 week. And we were like, Amari Cooper? Like, yeah, probably, (laughs) Probably. actually. (laughs) With the way that Dallas offense is going and the role he's playing now. I mean, again, 12, 12, and 11 targets is something that you can't do anything with it. Yeah, cannot (laughs) ignore. And that's what we're looking at with St. Brown. You mentioned Josh Reynolds. How about his role over the next couple of weeks? This was a guy who we were always hoping things would happen for him in L.A. Things would happen for him uh, other places. And now getting that opportunity, it seems, with the Lions, but can we expect the same sort of role we've seen for him these last couple of weeks, the next couple Certainly. of weeks? Yes, absolutely, for the rest of the season. I'm curious to see if that continues into next year as well, and I'm a, another one like St. Brown. I was surprised that it took the Lions this long to sign him. Like mm-hmm. I, I thought they would sign him in the offseason. He was a free agent, and he knows Jared Goff. I mean, Goff, had, Goff said a couple weeks ago how much better he felt just having Reynolds around because he was you know comfortable with him and he knows him and everything else, and you could see – and that last one, I think, you know, the touchdown that he caught was, I think that was the highest degree difficulty throw Goff made all day. And one of the highest you know, degree difficulty throws he's made all season, which I think sort of says to folks, or says to me anyway, that he trusts him a lot. So I think that he's going to target him more downfield than he has maybe any other guy. So I think St. Brown and Reynolds would be sneaky, solid plays. But Goff's on the COVID list, so mm. that could change things. St. Brown, I think, is is a, is a is a solid one no matter what. Reynolds would be maybe more golf, uh, golf tied, I guess. All right, since you bring it up, uh, you met Jared Goff on the uh, COVID list. You and I yeah. are sitting here on Tuesday morning, so like not a ton to go on. But right. what are, what are the lines going to be looking for with him over these next couple of days? Well, I guess to see you know what he comes back with with symptoms and everything else. I don't. I mean, I guess we'll see how long. I think he said he tested positive yesterday, but he doesn't have any. He's vaccinated and all that, so mm-hmm. nothing is. So we'll see how everything goes. If he can't play or whatever else, if all things are whatever, then it would be Tim Boyle who has started a game this year. But yes. well, a, a disappointing start, I might yes. add. They expected more from him. So we'll see uh, how that all looks if they go with him. All right, and how about the backfield? Uh, DeAndre Swift, Jamal Williams, Craig Reynolds has looked very good filling yeah. in for them over the last. I mean, right? It's like it's, it's yeah. so we ignore this team as you know, frankly, we, we basically should, should yeah, have right. for four yeah, months, for and now here we are, fantasy football semifinals, and it's like Amon Ross, St. Brown, and Craig Reynolds are right. relatively easy starters. What can you tell us about the backfield uh, a couple days out still from uh, the Week 16 game with the Falcons? Yeah, they're the only guys left playing <laughs> at this point, right? So it's like. 
So Reynolds is a guy they love, and he's going to get carries. I think that this is a great opportunity. I think that they're going to see to audition him for more work uh, down the road because they like him a lot, and they really liked him in the preseason. Uh, and you saw in that game. I mean, why? I mean, he's got really good short area stuff. So him and Godwin Iguabuke, the the safety uh, that they trans, you know, have been transitioning over to running mm-hmm. back. He's been fumbling a ton, but he's also a guy who I think is going to get work. I think those two guys are going to split carries, and if Godwin stops fumbling, he's going to eat more of Reynolds' touches, but Reynolds is going to get carries, and I would think Reynolds would be your short yardage guy in this situation, especially if Williams can't play, and I don't know if Williams will be back or not. I don't know what his health situation is, but I know the Lions will want to get a look at Reynolds. That's exactly where I was going next. It sounds like you're almost writing off any possibility of Swift or or Williams being back this week. Yeah, Mm -hmm. I wouldn't think Swift will be back. I would be surprised almost if Swift's back this season. Mm -hmm. He would seem like one to me that Along the lines with Hawkinson, that they would run and just like shut yeah. him down. Williams, maybe you know Jamal. I don't know. I mean, he loves playing, so he, he's one that I wouldn't rule out one way or the other. But um, yeah, if they can play Reynolds, they're going to play him. I think that this is a chance for them to audition more time for him. So uh, I wouldn't be shocked if that happens. Uh, right, and on top of all this, these guys coming out of nowhere, you get a matchup that certainly doesn't scare anyone away in Week 16 right. against the Falcons. What are your uh, early expectations for this game? Yeah, it's golf dependent, I guess. That's the hard one because, like, you know, he he really had been finally fitting into what they want to do. But, you know, overall, I still, you know, if they can get their game plan kind of cooked down the way they want it, they're still going to be able to run the ball. And they're going to run the ball against anybody they play, I think, the rest of the way. The Lions have a really good offensive line. They're dedicated to it. They don't quit on it. So Reynolds is a solid pickup if you haven't already had him. And I think St. Brown's going to get a ton of touches no matter what happens good or bad for the Lions going forward. It's crazy. Again, it's yeah, I don't, it really I don't, is, don't mean to be the dead horse, yeah. but just so ridiculous that here we are talking about these like two guys. Like a ton of touches. Yeah, yeah. Like, right? Yeah, right? If someone told you in August, two Lions are going to be really influential well, in the fantasy football players, I'd be like, yeah, sure. DeAndre Swift, T.J. Hawkinson, of course they are. Now, yeah. I w- you should have called us because we would have said St. Brown because <laughs> we would have said, now, if you're in a PPR league, it would have been, you know, uh, 100 catches for 600 yards. Yeah. That's what we thought back then, but like, hey... He's going to get touches, so yeah. I think that's what Burke said when we had him on yeah, the, during right. the uh, the training camp version of the show uh, back in July, something along exactly, those lines. Yeah, so, uh, yeah. But hey, that's, why, that's part of the reason why we love this sport and why we love yeah, this corner sure. of the sport, getting guys like this coming up and playing big, big roles for us in Week 16. That's Nick Baumgartner covers really all things Detroit for us here at The Athletic, including the Lions. You can get him on Twitter at Nick Baumgartner. And also, Lions fans, you probably already know this, but just in case, Check out one of these years, our Lions podcast with Nick and Chris Burke. Nick, thanks again for being with us on the Fantasy Football Pod. Absolutely, my great time. Okay, we move to our final beat writer interview on this episode of the Athletic Fantasy Football Podcast, and I feel like it's been like three weeks or so since we've had John Machota and the Cowboys on the show, so we're back around to Dallas, to John Machota, to these Cowboys. John, what's going on? Not much, man, you know, just uh, somehow along this crazy, weird trip this last season's been. The Cowboys have went from a franchise that's been offensive first for <laughs> the last decade to yeah. now all of a sudden they're winning with their defense. It's uh, This is where we are. Unbelievable. And, I mean, we've seen the transition happen literally during this season. First five, six weeks of the year, this was an offensive juggernaut. Dax in the MVP conversation, blah, 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 all that. And then suddenly things have shifted. And in the fantasy world, we care very much about how things have shifted again, even in a win over the Giants. Another comfortable win for the Cowboys against a team that they are just flat out better than without getting a ton out of the quarterback or the passing game. What's going on with this group, John? 
Yeah, it's it's <laughs> it got to the point where uh, during uh, media availability yesterday, <laughs> I asked Kellen Moore, their offensive coordinator, I'm like, do you save certain plays because you know you guys are going to be in the playoffs or what's <laughs> yeah. going on here? Or like, don't you want to try those out in the games? And he's like, no, we're still trying to win games. We're still trying to put that stuff out there. So it is a head scratcher just because of the fact that you have all these weapons. They're finally healthy. That's the that's the key thing. Like there's mm-hmm. been many a times throughout this season where, you know, it's the offensive line. It's the wide receivers. There's just there's been different things with this team that just haven't been right. And so you finally get to a spot where now you you finally have Amari Cooper and you have Michael Gallup healthy and you have CeeDee Lamb healthy and you're sitting there and you're thinking, okay, you're playing a Giants team. This seems like a great time to kind of get everything back on track, you know, kind of get your footing. If anything, you should this should be a team that you should be able to expose. And you just really didn't see that in the game. I mean, Dalton Schultz played well, their tight end. Mm-hmm. Um, it's one of the better games he's had. He had uh, eight catches, 67 yards, caught all eight targets, had a touchdown. But then you see like, Amari Cooper is supposed to be this team's number one, and there's just too many games where he doesn't produce like a number one. Yeah, three catch, or three, five targets, two catches, eight yards from Amari Cooper. Like, yeah. I mean, that just doesn't make any sense against anybody. I don't care if it's the Cowboys of the '90s and Deion Sanders is on him. I mean, this is Amari Cooper. This is why they're giving him twenty million a year. You know, and and when you see that, you're like. Okay, I, I think that that would be fine if, like, Michael Gallup went for 75 or 100 or CeeDee Lamb had this big game. CeeDee had three three drops. He had six catches for 50 yards. Like, they're just – the wide receiver position just – it has not clicked. And, and the biggest reason why is defensive changed the way they played the Cowboys. They're leaving two deep safeties. They're daring them to run. And they did run the ball a little bit better in this game. But the passing game, particularly the big plays, just haven't been there. 19 yards, the biggest pass play from the Cowboys against the Giants was 19 yards. That that should just that shouldn't happen. They should be able to multiple plays of 30 plus yards should happen against that Giants defense. If you're trying to isolate one thing and obviously it's never really one thing, but if you're trying to maybe highlight the biggest driver of the downturn for this team's passing game, would it be what you just said with the way defenses are adjusting the way they attack them? Yeah, because that's the thing like even when you go back to you know, for the teams I've covered, I thought 2014 Romo was just like top of his game, you know, good enough. He played good enough that he could, he could have won a Super Bowl if the defense would have been better then. But that still was the NFL's best rushing attack in 2014. DeMarco Murray had the, he has, that's the single season rushing record for the Dallas Cowboys in a, in a franchise that has had Emmett Smith. Emmett Smith never had the rushing season that DeMarco Murray did in 2014. So even in 14, as good as Romo was, it, they still needed the running game, and obviously they needed it in eighteen or sixteen, and then again in eighteen with Dak and Zeke was playing at his best. You come into this year and you have all these passing weapons, but it's really been the running game has not been able to make these teams pay for not loading the box. That used to be the thing with these Cowboys offenses: you load the box to stop Zeke, they make you pay over the top, and that just hasn't been there. And so Zeke is getting healthier; he's still not back to one hundred percent. Probably won't be all season. Tony Pollard comes back. That obviously helps, but he's still dealing with plantar fasciitis. So if the running game doesn't get going and they can't make these teams pay, I just I find it hard to believe that all of a sudden they're just going to start clicking on the big plays in the passing game. All right, well, that leads me perfectly into the next question, which is uh, in that backfield. And none of us is going to pretend that yards per carry is a perfect stat, but it is a nice just quick go-to number to throw out. And start a discussion, you look at Ezekiel Elliott week by week over the last one, two, three, four, five, six weeks here, 
We're looking at a high yards per carry game of 3.75. That was against Washington in week 14. 293, 356, 278, 346, 375, and 325. Tony Pollard, meanwhile, ran for 74 yards on 12 carries against the Giants. He ran for 71 on 7 carries against the Saints. And yes, there was one big play that drove it, but still, he has that big play in him that, frankly, we really haven't seen a ton from Zeke this year. Is there any real-world scenario in which this flips and it goes to two-thirds Pollard and one-third Zeke instead of the two-thirds Zeke, one-third Pollard we've gotten accustomed to? I don't see that happening. Um, could I foresee a scenario? Let's say you you said uh, you had a crystal ball and you could tell me that the Cowboys made it to the Super Bowl. I could see a scenario where like in one of their playoff games, perhaps, Tony Pollard is just going off and they're like, let's keep riding the hot hand. I mean, that's just because the mm-hmm. playoffs are just so all over the place. But for the rest of this regular season, I, I just don't see it being that way. And and, and here's the thing, like they've made some changes on the offensive line that I think they're going to stick with now. And that's they went back to Connor Williams at left guard. And why that's important to the running game is because that takes Connor McGovern, who had been starting at left guard, and makes them the fullback. And Mike McCarthy wants to use more of a fullback to try and get this running game going because he knows that they need to establish that run or it's not going to make these defenses pay. So McGovern play, returned to that role for the Giants. And it went away. It's He's obviously not John Kuhn that, that Mike McCarthy had up in Green mm-hmm. Bay, but almost like that role where it's like, if th- teams are going to do this, we're going to bring in an extra offensive lineman. We're going to bring in a fullback and things like that. Now, that's not for the sexy fantasy numbers, but that's to kind of make teams pay. And, and that's kind of how they're going to use Zeke with the physical inside grind on you. And then you bring in Pollard and can kind of hit the big plays. We saw some of that again against the Giants. If both those guys can stay healthy, I think that's where it goes going forward. But I just don't see a point where Zeke doesn't end these games with the most carries. That doesn't mean he's going to have the most yards or the most touchdowns. I just think that they're going to continue. As long as he's out there, he'll get the most touches. Yeah, we'll take anything that gets this offense back to looking like the offense we know that it can be, and that's getting Lamb going, getting Cooper going, keeping those backs going, and getting Dak back to that MVP form. Big game for this team in Week 16 going up against the Washington football team. What are your expectations for this matchup on Sunday? Well, it's a huge advantage for the Cowboys that, I mean, not only are you at home, but it's a Sunday night game and you're playing a Washington team that has to play on Tuesday night. And so uh, it's not like Washington's going to be able to rest anybody. I mean, they need this game as badly as anybody. And so uh, I, I, I don't anticipate them sitting anybody out against Philly because of how much they needed that. So a uh, huge advantage for the Cowboys against Washington. And, and frankly, just these NFC East teams just aren't on the same level as the Cowboys now that the Cowboys are healthy. I mean, with what the Cowboys have on defense now, like they can afford to kind of work some things out on offense because unless there's these bad turnovers, which we have seen from Dak these past two games against the Giants, he had the bad fumble hit from behind trying to look to hit a big play late in the game when it was, Mm -hmm. you know, it's already over. It's 21-6. You can just run the clock out. But he's holding the ball, trying to extend it, trying to find Amari Cooper because Cooper's in a coverage where he's one-on-one with the safety on him. Dak loves that. But as he's waiting for it to develop, instead of taking the underneath the Michael Gallup and just getting the first down, he gets drilled. The ball gets knocked out. And then against Washington two weeks ago, similar thing. He tries it, forces a pass, doesn't see uh, Cole Holcomb, the Washington linebacker, pick six. All of a sudden, this game that, that was a blowout at halftime is a ball game with, with a few minutes to go. And so I anticipate seeing something similar in this game where I think the Cowboys get out to a big lead. They try some stuff. Uh, to get the offense clicking again, but I just don't see any area where they would have problems winning this game. That's what it's come down to with this Cowboys team. You know they're going to make the playoffs. Uh, there's a chance they could get as high as maybe even the one seed in the playoffs, which is mm-hmm. crazy to think about. You know the defense can keep them in these games and, and be good enough for them to win these NFC East games. It's about 
what can you do to finally get this offense back on track so you have some good mojo running into the playoffs? Regardless of what happens in Washington and Philly on Tuesday night, a win for Dallas over Washington in Week 16 gives them the division. So then hopefully maybe we see a little bit of this team and, and what they could do in Week 17 against Arizona because that's you know, that's a time when they maybe do have to bring some things out. Maybe if they do want to climb up the NFC standings, that could be a game that you know presages what's coming for this team in the playoffs. So uh, we'll see certainly uh, in Week 17. Obviously, Dak Prescott managers hope that he plays well enough in Week 16 to get them to Week 17, and that goes for the rest of the Cowboys offense as well. That is John Machota, Cowboys beat writer here at The Athletic. Check him out on Twitter at John Machota. Also, about them Cowboys, our Dallas Cowboys podcast at The Athletic. John, thanks again for being with us on the Fantasy Football Pod. No problem at all. One thing I was just going to add real quick, you know, you mentioned the Arizona thing. Like, they lose DeAndre Hopkins. Cowboys are healthy. All their receivers are healthy. <laughs> yeah. This should be when they're at their best. So, But thank you for having me on. I appreciate it. It should absolutely be when they are at their best. So hopefully that's exactly what we see. We did not see it from Arizona after they lost DeAndre Hopkins uh, going down to the Lions. So hopefully we do see uh, a much better Cowboys team than we've seen in recent weeks, at least from a pure offensive production standpoint. Thanks again for being with us, John. No problem. Anytime. All right, and that's going to do it for this episode of the Athletic Fantasy Football Podcast. So for all of our beat writers, John Machoda, Greg Allman, and Nick Baumgartner, thank you for joining us. I am Michael Beller. We thank all of you out there for listening to this episode of the Athletic Fantasy Football Podcast. We are with you the rest of the week right here in this feed, helping you get those Week 16 lineups right. So be sure to join us for the remainder of our shows leading into the big fantasy football semifinals. We'll talk to you soon. See ya.